This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. I think the current state of the world we live in has caused many of us to reevaluate what's important. Some of us have begun exploring this idea of creating something for themselves and maybe even working freelance. But how does one actually go about doing this? And what sorts of things should we keep in mind as we make plans to venture off on our own? Well, today the nerds welcome Mary Nunley, the founder and chief learning experience designer at Lavender Dragon Team. And she has some amazing insights on how to plan on going freelance and things you can do to make it a successful experience. It's a truly valuable episode that you won't want to miss. So let's cue the music. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode amazing episode of your fabulous learning nerds i'm your host scott shooty and this week as always you love him dan coonrod dan the man dan what's up scott how you doing you know i'm doing okay i survived uh i survived halloween so that was nice that was great how how survived how about you? halloween i am doing i'm doing fair to midland uh, I actually, if we have a moment, I would love to share with you a quick Halloween story that my folks made due to, due to COVID. And I just heard about it and I just got to participate in this year and it's amazing. All right. Tell us what's going on. Okay. So my folks, uh, write me like the day before Halloween and they're like, Hey, do you want to come over to our house and go and, and help hide candy? And I was like, I'm sorry. What? And they're like, well, with COVID and everything and all the restrictions from last year, nobody was trick-or-treating. And so what we did was we bought a bunch of bags and we stuffed them full of candy and waited till nightfall and then hid the bags all throughout the yard. And like Easter, made the kids go into the yard in their costumes looking for candy. And I was like, that sounds amazing. And then they have some property. They have some woods back behind their yard. And they're like, and then we did a big game of hide and go seek where the kids went into the woods and they hid and the adults with flashlights went off to go find them. And the last kid found won a prize. I was like, well, that seems mildly irresponsible, uh, sending kids into the woods at night, uh, but also it sounds like a great time. And so I went to my folks' house and it was a blast. It was this amazing like holiday twist that has come to exist because of the times we live in. 
And I was like, this was so much fun. This was amazing. I got to like run around like a candy fairy and just throw candy up in trees and hide them underneath rocks. And then all the kids in costumes are running around with flashlights in their hands trying to find candy. There was like, I don't know, like eight kids over there doing a candy hunt. And it was amazing. Eight kids. Okay, that's fantastic. Doesn't work too good when you get about a thousand kids, which is what I get every year. That would be much tougher. And then did you find any, do you get to go the next day and find some leftover candy? Uh, Yes. So there were a hundred bags of candy and 91 of them, 92 of them were found. And so uh, the next day it was like, hey, did you guys find all that candy? And they're like, no, we haven't really gone looking for it yet. Like, well, I live down the road. I'm going to come over and help you guys with that candy problem you've got. You know, you don't, you don't want bugs. I'm, I'm here to help. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. All right. Interesting, interesting thing. Let's do Easter and Halloween together. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, it was. Yeah. Hey, um, folks, uh, sad news. Uh, Abby Dawson has um, prior commitments today and was not able to join us, which is very, very sad. But uh, we do have a special guest with us. Uh, Miss Mary Nunnally is with us tonight. And we're going to get to know all about Mary with a little segment that we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man, what's your deal? Mary. Scott. What's your deal? Wow. It depends on the day. But today, <laughs> my deal is, well, I'm here to tell a little bit about my story and how I started my own business with my son and some of the things that we love to do. So I will tell you a short story. Once upon a time, I was working in the corporate world as an instructional designer managing a team of about 20 instructional designers, and I decided that enough was enough. And so I thought, huh, I'll just go out and freelance and I'll pick up some jobs on Upwork and some of those other platforms and I'll work when I want and life will be good. And about two weeks after that, my son quit his job and came home with $100,000 in student loans, mind you, and said, mom, I want to join the family business. And I said, what family business? And at that point, the Lavender Dragon team was born, and we are now a boutique, bespoke, whatever B word you want to use, um, course creation and gamification company, where we can put together our love of instructional design and our love of playing games together to help our clients build really cool stuff. That is really awesome. I like how both of you had an epiphany at the same time, right? So hopefully one of the people in your household decides to hold down a job while the other one goes and explores fun new things. But, you know, hey, what the heck? I have a question, though. Lavender Dragon Team, you're going to need to explain that to me. I'm a little, I'm a little, um, I want to put it, excited to learn about how that name came about. How's that? Certainly. So first of all, you know, some companies are named themselves and people know what you do. I, however, decided I wanted something that was just me. So my favorite color is purple mm-hmm. and dragons have been my animals since I was in elementary school. Like even as a kid, I used to sign all my notes, love and dragons and a team because it makes it sound like it's more than just one person. My ex son-in-law um, is a cop and he said, hey, Mary, before you go name the company, you better do a little bit of research and don't call your company Purple Dragon. So we did a little bit of research. And what we learned 
was that there is this very potent type of marijuana that's called purple dragon. And so <laughs> being that we wanted to actually show up in, in searches and, and seem like we were a legitimate company, I went with the next best thing, which is lavender. And so we are the lavender dragon team. Now, one thing, and I, and, and, and I know you got some questions, but one thing I will say is when you're naming a company, don't just go for the cool factor, but you also need to think about what a pain it's going to be for potential clients to send you emails when your company name is lavenderdragonteam.com. So we end up in spam a lot. We have a lot of people going, why couldn't you just have a simple name? But as we were setting up our professional email account, we couldn't just do LDT, which is what we go by. We have to do Lavender Dragon Team. And I have so many people just go, why? Why did you do that to us? We ran into the same issue, did we not, Dan Coonrod? Yes, we did. Uh, for all of you guys who are out there typing fabulouslearningnerds at gmail.com, God bless you all. We know it's uh, a finger full. <laughs> yes. So, but anyway, it's, it's, it's cool. It's a, it's a, um, a catchy name. I also, when I go out and about, typically have my hair colored purple. So when I show up on client sites, everyone's like, oh, here's lavender because I live I live the color. So my hair is about due for another purple burst and I will have lavender hair in another day or so. Awesome. Well, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm a very sad Vikings fan. So purple is my color. And Excellent. yes, dragons are great. Uh, Godzilla is my spirit animal. Okay. There you go. Nice. I nice. think so. Well, I think it's great. <laughs> I will put them. my dragon against your Godzilla any day. Oh my gosh. Fight, oh, fight, fight, yeah, fight, I, fight. I, I, okay. All right. There's a box office idea. Warner Brothers, get on that. That sounds awesome and great. We're going to go ahead and uh, kind of move along if we could and get into today's topic of the week. All right, this week we're going to be spending some time talking with Mary. If you haven't kind of figured this out, she wants to help all of us think about, strategically think about, uh, hey, I no longer want to work for the man. I, I want to go and do my own thing. So I think, that, you know, we live in a, let's just be honest, the great resignation is a real thing. It's been a real thing for a while. Um, and a lot of people are having that there's more to life than uh, punching a clock and getting a paycheck. That being said, how do you do it, right? So how do we do it? And then how do you do it the right way? How do you do it the smart way? So Mary Lynn, uh, no, Mary, I'm so excited to uh, glean from your uh, expertise and experience here. Talk to us a little about moving from corporate to freelance. Sure. So everybody's story is going to be slightly different. But one of the things that I have learned is before you just decide to leave the corporate world and go freelance, have some clients in the wings ready and waiting for you. For years, I did part-time freelance work for a variety of clients. And so I knew that I had people that I could reach out to when I decided to finally make that full-time cut. And I also had a portfolio and people that I could say, yes, I've done work for this client and this client and this client. And while the work was a little bit more sporadic than it was when I decided to go full-time freelance, there was that that sense of trust. And there was also that like, okay, I've got work lined up. And that was the other piece that I did. 
when I knew what my exit date was from corporate, I made sure that I had jobs lined up for that first quarter after I left so that I could pay the bills while I was exploring alternate solutions like looking at Upwork and looking at different platforms to bring in some part-time you know, jobs. And then virtual vocations. For anybody who's thinking about possibly making that jump, virtual vocations is another website that I found that's really cool because almost every job that they list is done remotely. And some of them are freelance. Some of them are, are freelance to contract. Some are permanent remote jobs. But it gave me a good sense of like what the going rate was for requesting compensation, what kind of jobs were out there, what kind of projects there were to pick up. So I would say do your homework, have some jobs lined up in the wings and have some part time clients that you're working with now to start getting you in that mode of freelance, because you also now move from set hours to more of a like work when you want. So you have to really be good at planning your calendar and making sure that you get the work done, too. That that's a mouthful. The the all great stuff. So I think that that's that's awesome. I think when I think about having a side hustle, I want to have a side hustle. How how do I go and and get that right? So if step one is like have some work ready and you already started, like you mentioned that website, which we'll go ahead and put in the show notes for everybody so they can go check that out. But for you, your experience, like you know, I did. How do you wake up one day and say? Today, I'm going to get a side hustle, right? So what was that experience like for you? What are some of the things that you did, Mary, that that helped you have some clients ready to go so you can make that leap? Sure. No, Scott, that's a great question. So I've always had this sort of entrepreneurial part to my personality. So whether it was working with direct sales, uh, you know, when my kids were little, it's like, ooh, I want free toys. I'm going to join an MLM so that I can get good educational toys. I don't want to build a team but I want to go out and you know get some free toys and, and meet people and learn some business skills. But when I moved into more of a, I want to do freelance instructional design work, what I looked at was, do I have a specific goal that I'm trying to achieve? So here's what my corporate job is paying me, but it's not paying me enough to do this like passion trip that I want to take or these home renovations that I want to make. So what's a quick and easy way that I can use my skill set to help bring in some extra money? And so that's when I started looking for some side hustle type jobs. And many of those came from connections that I had on LinkedIn, where people would put out a call or, oh, hey, we see that you have this background. We've got this part-time project. How do you feel about writing questions? You know, I, 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 I'm fine. I'll write a hundred quiz questions for you. What are you going to pay me? So I don't necessarily, I didn't go into it with, I'm only going to take these like high level jobs that I'm completely passionate about. I went in with the perspective of, where can I start getting a client base where they're going to call me for other jobs? And eventually that's going to morph into something bigger. And those types of projects did turn into bigger and better side hustles. That's awesome. That's, that's such a great perspective. I think a lot of times people get really focused when they, when they want to go freelance on like, hey, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I'm just going to work on the projects that I think are really cool. And this idea of like, hey, you gotta you gotta put in time. You got you gotta write a hundred quiz questions so that can open the door to working on better, cooler things is is fantastic. That's it's really good insight. Thanks. And you know, one of the things that I learned too is that what I did in the corporate world, I couldn't always show to a prospective side hustle client. And so it was almost like every time starting from scratch. And that was okay because many of those quiz question 
type gigs turned into fuller projects. And so it was like, okay, she meets her death. And here's what it is from the client perspective. They don't know me. They don't know anything about me. So they're looking at things like, does she meet her deadlines? How easy or difficult is she to work with? How does she take feedback? And so these simple projects also were able to show the client, yes, I met my deadlines. Yes, I you know, showed up for meetings. Yes, I take feedback well. What's the next project that you have for me? You know, we had a discussion early on in our podcast journey around portfolios and we kind of had an impasse around, yeah, you have to have a portfolio or no, you don't have to have a portfolio. And I, I'm, I'm kind of starting to think that, yeah, I think you need to have a portfolio. I mean, I'll be honest, I share out this webcast to people that want to get to know me, right? So I feel like this is a sample of my thought leadership, which is great. And then Dan gets to be part of that and you're part of that as well. So as we think about the work that we have and the work that we want to share, what are some resources that perhaps you found that are good um, so that you can go ahead and share out who Mary is and why she's so awesome and why um, Lavender Dragon Team is, is a team that you want to hire? So great question. Um, one of the things that we have is a hidden portfolio on our Thinkific school. So we do have a Thinkific presence. And the reason it's a hidden portfolio is there are samples of client work that I have done where the client has given me permission to share, but it has to be in a password protected environment. There has to be limited access, but it's actual work. It's not me taking something and then reconfiguring it to go, okay, now let me put Lorem Ipsum text and make it look and everyone knows. So putting it in a password protected hidden area has been very helpful. And then prospective clients, I could say, yes, you have 30 days access to look at this. Here's samples of the different styles of things that we can do for you. And if there's anything that you saw where you would like to speak to the client about what it's like to work with us, let me know. These are also all clients who have said, yes, we are willing to give you a referral or talk to somebody about what it's like working with the dragons. And so it serves a twofold purpose. I am moving to a point where I also want to put some samples on our actual website about, you know, some of the things that we do with Vyond, some of the things that we're doing with gamification, some of our, you know, articulate storyline examples. But for the moment, having things in that password protected area has worked quite well. I was going to say, I, you know, I'm, I've always been a huge proponent for a portfolio. Uh, as somebody who's, who's been a hiring manager in the past, I can't tell you how many times I've interviewed two candidates. I've looked at what they've had. They've been neck and neck. And then like, it's their por portfolio that like pushes one over the other. Um, and I know like so many instructional designers, so many just designers in general, like they kind of go like, oh, you know, like I have all this stuff I've already made for a company. Why do I got to make something for, that's just unique for my portfolio? And it's like, it's so worth it. It's so worth it to have, you know, 10 to 15 items that you can heft up at a moment's notice and be like, Here's examples of my work. Here's me at my best. Here you go. Yeah, that sounds um, really, really interesting. And I, I think it's important. You, you mentioned Thinkific is is yes. one of the sites. Okay. All right. So that's we'll make sure we'll put that in the show notes. That's a, that's a really great idea. No, I was just going to say, so for folks that are not familiar with Thinkific, it's, it's a much more popular platform in the solo course creator world and some small businesses. So I'm actually a designated Thinkific expert as well. And it is a learning management system that allows you to sell your courses. 
So we have a, our school is called the School of Techno, and we help people get their courses online as well. And then I also use it as a as a platform for training my team and having my portfolio. So you got a portfolio, you got yes. a side hustle, right? Yes. You're doing some work. Yes. What else do I need? What else do do I need to be successful and work the way I want to work and have the impact that I that I want to have? So I'd say the two other things you need to have is a plan and a strategy and a coach. And typically when you're in the corporate world, my experience has been very few people talk about having a coach unless it's for their kids' sports or something. But as an entrepreneur, finding a coach that will help you navigate that whole world of the freelance world or starting your own company, and that could be through you know, score with the Small Business Association. It could be a coach that you pay for. But the difference is like, I'm a really good instructional designer. I'm a pretty good manager of people. But when you get out on your own, now you've got taxes, you've got marketing, you've got email newsletters, you've got how do I build a list? How do I get the word out about my company? I didn't know any of that. And so finding a coach that could help me navigate those waters has been a true lifesaver. And it took me three years before I had that light bulb moment of, oh yeah, I really need a coach because I, I don't know enough about these other things to grow my business in the way that I need to grow it. And where did you find your coach? So I found my coach as, <laughs> okay, so I attended a workshop and in that like five-day challenge workshop, there was like, what do you do? So I posted what I do. And then somebody reached out. She's like, I want to talk to you about gamification. So we set up a call. And she's like, okay, uh, you're not ready to work with me. Here's what you need to do. You need to have a podcast. You need to have a YouTube channel. You need to have a book. And you need to go work with this woman. And so in that year, I don't have a podcast, but I've been a podcast guest. We started our YouTube channel. I was a chapter in a book. And I worked with the woman that I was recommended to, and she and I had a conversation and hit it off. I did a three-day VIP weekend with her in St. Louis a year ago, where we mapped out my whole strategy for 2021. And as a result of working with her, uh, her name's Virginia Musquiz, she's the referral diva, we doubled our revenue from 2020 to 2021. Oh, that's awesome. Because I had a strategy. And a plan, and here's what you need to do here, here's what you need to do here, here's what you need to do here. I'm so glad that you didn't say somebody on LinkedIn that I'd never heard of before pinged me in Messenger and asked to be my coach, and I said yes. Not that that's a, not a great sales strategy, but I really like the idea that somebody that you trusted said, hey, I, I think you need a coach, and here's who you should talk to, like that. That personal recommendation, right, of I know somebody great, um, you should go talk with that person that I think is really, really important. And because um, they can get to they can get to know what you want. And it's really, you know, leveraging in their intellectual capital in a way that that puts you in a place where you can not only be successful, but also make that transition. I'm going to guess that you perhaps coach other people yourself. Is that correct? I do. I don't coach them on a paid Thing. I do more mentoring with other people. Right. My particular coach, it is a paid coaching relationship. And it was probably, you know, when I first saw that price tag, I'm like, Ugh. 
you know, this is a lot of money, <laughs> you know, $10,000 a year for a coach. It's like, oh, you know, I don't, I'm not used to thinking about things that way. But the return on the investment has been so great. And she primarily works with low six figure entrepreneurs. So people that are making under $400,000 a year in revenue so that you get that foundation. And then she passes you on to coaches that help you get now to the, you know, 600,000 to a million dollars a year in revenue. Cause that's a big difference too, because once you start talking about those numbers in your business, now you're talking about hiring employees, you know, human resources related things, taxes change, whereas below the 500 K mark, it's a little bit easier because my son and I can pretty much do most of it with some subcontractors helping out with some projects. Worth every penny though, right? Oh, well worth every penny. Not too long ago, I was in a position in my life where I, I needed a personal life coach. Best investment I ever made myself ever, like 1000%. So um, yeah, don't, you're going to, there's going to be a price tag and, you know, honestly, the higher the price tag, the more value you're going to get out of it. That's my, my impression is that, uh, those people that can really add value, um, know their own value and, um, will charge accordingly and don't be afraid of it. It'll be well worth your investment. So yeah, as long as you're willing to do the work, I mean, that's the other piece of it though. So it's like, you know, if you hire a coach and you don't get any results, sometimes you have to ask yourself, well, did I do the things that that coach was asking me to do? Or was I pushing back every single step of the way? And having a conversation with your coach, just like having a conversation with your coach, if you're an athlete, it's like, okay, why do you want me to do this? All right, let's give it a try for six months or for six weeks. But it really has made a difference. And so I would highly encourage anyone that's serious about going from corporate to full-time freelance to look at investing in some type of a coach to help you navigate the, the waters that you're just not aware of when you're in a corporate job. Awesome. So you've got a coach, you've got a plan. I mean, so when you talk about your plan a little bit, um, was it, or, you know, was it, I'm going to do this by this date. I'm going to kind of draw a line in the sand and I'm going to be out of here by this. Or was it much more like a, a roadmap of, uh, of several different timestamps. Talk to us a little bit about the plan that you developed for, for that transition. Sure. So my plan for leaving corporate, I gave myself about a six month plan. Um, you know, here's, here's my goal. That gave me time to make sure that I had money in savings so that if I wasn't able to generate revenue right away, I was still able to pay the bills. And so I set a financial goal for myself of, okay, I need to have $20,000 in savings before I you know, cut ties completely. And that was the number that felt comfortable for me knowing what my expenses were. Everybody's number is going to be a little different. Experts are going to give you certain numbers that they go by, but it was like, okay, what's that risk that I'm willing to take and how can I mitigate it? So that was the first step. So there was a lot of, you know, belt tightening and saving and not doing some things because my goal was let's get that money in the bank. In the meantime, it was reaching out to former projects that I had worked on or clients, not projects, because the projects can't talk, but just saying, okay, you know, here's my goal. Do you anticipate any potential work for me in the next couple of months? I'm just trying to make a plan. I'm not holding you to it, but it's going to help me find, like, do I have that money coming in? And then I also started looking on sites like Upwork, like virtual vocations to go, okay, what's available? What's out there? If I want to be gone from my corporate job at the end of six months, then about a month prior, I was really starting to actively 
put in bids or, you know, apply for things that I thought would be in my wheelhouse, knowing that, especially on an Upwork site, and it's gotten even more intense in the last four years than it was when I left corporate four years ago, it's a bidding game. So it's not only price, it's skill, it's portfolio. And it's like, how do you package things so people catch your attention? You, you catch somebody's attention. They're like, yeah, I want to work with that person. So it was learning how to navigate that world as well. That's so like you're talking a lot about like Upwork and you're talking about like bidding and like basically you're talking about like marketing yourself, marketing your company. Yes. Is, is there is there anything as along that journey that you learned that like you maybe didn't know when you started or like a big revelation? Where you're like, oh, wow. Oh, there's so many things I didn't know. <laughs> um, because, again, you know, when you're in corporate, your projects are handed to you. You get a paycheck. Whether you like the project or not, you know what you're working on. When you're going out into the world, one of the things that you're going to hear frequently from marketers is like, who's your niche? And as an instructional designer, I'm like, well, everybody's my niche because I'm an instructional designer. I can build things for anybody because instructional design is an instructional design. What I found, though, is that the best clients that I had were tied to the hospitality field because that was my first career. And it's always been food and beverages. My life has been part of my mantra for as long as I can remember. So my initial clients were all tied into the hospitality industry, building restaurant training, building, you know, dishwasher training, building food safety training, because it was, I could be the SME subject matter expert and the instructional designer. And so I was able to bring something else to the project that other, other IDs weren't able to bring. And then from there, as I started building a portfolio, the next area that came up was a lot of insurance. And because I've got some background in insurance and call centers, then that was also a somewhat logical fit because I could take that prior experience and say, oh, yeah, I know what it's like to be in a call center. Oh, I know what some of these challenges are. Here's how I can help you build your training. So expect the unexpected, I think I'm kind of hearing a little bit from you, right? So, Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> what are some of the things that you don't mind? Could you mind, Would you mind sharing some unexpected things that you learned that you didn't expect that you were going to learn? By the way, as a sure. learning person, I'm like, I always treasure those moments. Like, they're not always the greatest moments, but it's like, oh, wow, I learned something. This is great. I'm so happy that I learned this. I mean, that's that's my attitude whenever things don't go the way that I really wanted them to go. Like, at least I learned something. Like, this is never going to happen to me again. So what are some of the things that, that you've learned along the way as you prepare All for right, anything? So I will share three things with you. Thing number one that we learned is be willing to do just about anything within your skill set. So when we first started the company, one of the things we did to generate revenue was we wrote coffee mug slogans. This is not the most exciting thing in the world, but we needed to generate revenue. And I was trying to figure out what skill set my son slash business partner had. And it turned out not a lot. So oh, coffee no. mug slogans was where it was at. So, and, and since then, though, I have sent him to like ATD training. He's now a ATD, you know, instructional designer. He's been through gamification training and he's certified in gamification. But it took us a while to figure that out. So number one is be willing to do whatever it takes to bring revenue in. And don't be surprised. Can I pause you there? I want a coffee mug saying, I just want to hear one of you that you came up with. Oh, gosh, I'll have to dig them out. We oh, wrote hundreds right. I thought of you them. might want to have one up oh, top wow. of your head. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We wrote hundreds and it was for all kinds of weird niches, like how many different dog breeds there are. And then we had all these unique ones, like for the different dogs and things like that. And so... <laughs> 
I still have the file. I will share that at okay. some point. All right. So, Only because I'm in the, I'm in the coffee. I'm in the market for a new coffee mug from my wife and I'm leaning uh-huh. towards the, you're the best mommy I ever had. If I had a different one, I would bite her on the leg. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. That was great. Yeah. You know, but it's just one of those, like be prepared to do whatever it takes to keep a roof over your head. So number two, and this affected most people was, you know, 2020, we had this little thing called COVID and like, let me back up. So we started our company in 2018. In 2019, one of the unexpected things was I had a couple of clients that said, oh, we have all this money at the end of the year. We're going to prepay you for projects in the following year because it's a use it or lose it. However, if you're in the United States, the IRS requires you to file quarterly taxes based on your estimated income. Otherwise, you end up with this huge penalty on your self-employment tax. Well, When you get a windfall of money in December, you don't really have time to do that quarterly tax for the thing. So when I met with my accountant in 2020 to do my taxes, it was one of those, we had a great year. It was horrible because I walked out with like a $15,000 tax bill um, because I didn't properly budget. So as a result, I now meet with my accountant quarterly to make sure that enough money is being put away to cover taxes. And so again, that was one of those unexpected, like, oh, it was a great year. Yeah, I owe the IRS a lot of money. That's great, not really. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a great year for the business. It wasn't such a great year for my my, pocketbook. Um, The good news is is that you can make payments to the IRS and they take credit cards. So um, that, that was the second one. And then the third one, And as much as I've come to hate the word pivot, we really learned to pivot because there was this terrible, terrible week in March of 2020 when all of our business dried up. And when you focused on the hospitality industry as your primary source of clients and all the restaurants and the cruise ships and the airlines and everything was shutting down, well, guess what? They don't need training. They don't need that extra expense. That's where my coach came in, though, and she's like, okay, great. So we need to find a way for you to make money. How can you apply your ID skills in another way? And so for a good part of 2020 and and much of 2021, we started working with solo entrepreneurs to either help them bring their courses online or to build interactive lead magnets. So it took our instructional design expertise to build interactive lead magnets they could use to help bring more customers to their businesses. That's awesome. That is awesome. I, you know, I, um, I, I love instructional design. Like I'm a giant nerd for it. And so like anytime I hear where somebody's like, oh yeah, I took these, these ID skills and like I pivoted and I used them to do this or I used them to do that. I, I love those stories because it's like such, uh, th- this profession has so many skills and facets inside of it. Exactly. And so yeah, it was a way to, to shift. So there's our, there's my three stories. That, those are great. I, I will want to, I want to add on to this idea of pivoting because it's a, pivoting is really important to do. That being said, I need, there's a cautionary tale around pivoting as well, right? So, Hey, I got to pivot and I need to find a new niche because uh, my niche is dead for a while. Right. So let's go do that. That's fantastic. That being said, Sometimes um, one of the traps that we can fall into as entrepreneurs is we can just pivot 
and then pivot again and then just get into a pivot chain, if you know what I'm talking about. And then there's no growth in that either. So there's a nice balance between, yeah, I need to pivot. Pivoting's good. But once you get there, I mean, you have to be able to trust on your skills and trust on your coaching, which you had and trust on your plan and move forward um, and not pivot again right away. Because I think the natural tendency is once we pivot, like, oh, I'm not getting the results I'm looking for. I need to pivot again. And then when that doesn't happen, I'll pivot again and then you just, it just spirals out of control. So I know that didn't happen with you, but well, and then you're just going in a circle when you keep pivoting. So what we ended up doing is actually now having two legs to our business. Mm. One that works with four and five figure entrepreneurs, helping them with their interactive lead magnets. And now we're back into working with more corporate or higher end small businesses. And when I say higher end, it's not the starting entrepreneur who thinks they want a course business, but rather it's people that are established, but don't have an instructional designer or don't have an L&D team or don't have someone that help, help them with their e-learning. So now we've got more balance. So we've got two legs to our stool instead of just one. And that also gives me a little bit of a sense of comfort because it's like, okay, whew, if this, you know, if something happens on this side, I've still got this. If something happens on this side, I've still got that. I'm still looking for the third leg though. Hey, <laughs> that's all right. It's uh, it's all part of the journey. It is. And, and you know, I am, I, but honestly, I have, I have yet to see a um, three-legged dragon. So I think two is a good place for you right now. Well, you know, the three-legged dragon got into a fight, and so they lost one of their legs. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you can grow them back. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I think it's great. Um, you know, as we begin to think about, this is great stuff, and I want to make sure that we get a lot of these uh, links up there, you know, your website, Upwork, all that kind of stuff, because I think, I think a lot of people want to do this kinds of things, but they don't really know where to start. So your, your, uh, your, your information has been invaluable. Um, one question, one of the last questions I ha I'll have, though, is this idea of when did you know, right? So I think some of us, have this idea of it'd be really neat to do our own thing. But what was it for you? What was it that aha moment of, yeah, I don't think I'm going to live out my divine purpose by um, writing quiz questions for corporate America? Yeah, no, that, that is an excellent question. I think I've always had this entrepreneurial sense. My two siblings are also entrepreneurs at various levels of success in different fields. Um, so even though our parents weren't, all three of their offspring kind of went down the entrepreneurial journey. But when I really got that sense of it's time to leave corporate was when the stress of the job and the fatigue of the job was beginning to affect my health. It was beginning to affect my relationships. It was beginning to affect my sleep. I wasn't a happy person. And my motto is always like just having fun. And I've always said when I quit having fun, it's time to move on. And I understand that there are going to be days and sometimes weeks where things aren't fun. Like doing taxes is not fun. It's just something I have to do. With your job, there's always going to be those like stressful moments of like, oh, you know, I, I just, I don't want to work on this project or I've got some disciplinary issues on my team that I really don't enjoy dealing with. But when it quit being fun after several months, that to me was, it's like, okay, it's time to go. The other piece of that is being, you know, middle age. It was one of those, if I'm going to do something entrepreneurial on my own, 
I don't have as many years left to do it as if I was in my 30s. And so if I'm going to do this and I'm going to take that plunge, the time is now. So those two factors together of, I, I want to see if I can really make this happen. And I hate my job coincided to say, okay, it's, <laughs> it's time to go. It's time to go. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> I, I will say that for a lot of us, you have that aha moment of, oh, and, and I just want to remind people to find that clarity is a great thing. You know what I'm saying? So like, oh, no matter what it is, like, hey, you know, I need to transition to this different place in my own work, or I, I really need to be focusing in on that. Like when you have clarity, there's there's a great deal of peace in that. So that's great. And I love, love the fact that you're focusing in on, hey, it should be fun. And life is meant to be fun. And I think that we have, especially in, in uh, the United States, we have this like belief that we're supposed to kill ourselves for 50 years and hate it. And then we can have some fun. Right. Which is- yeah. Instead of... Yeah, let's let's wait till retirement. I saw that happen with my parents. It's like, okay, we're going to work. And then we retired. Well, and then my mom died before she retired. And it's like, they never got to do all the things that they planned to do. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to do that. Right. And, or they didn't have any fun while they were doing it. Like, right. You should enjoy what you, what you're doing. You should feel some sense of pride in what you're doing. And I, and I get it. There's the, there's the, invisible handcuffs, so to speak, if I feel comfortable and, you know, I, I've got enough to take care of whatever, but if, and you're right, if, if it's getting in the way of your overall happiness, if you have more sad days than you have happy days, then you can fix that. And there are plenty of people almost as awesome as you, Mary, who are doing this right now. And, and I, I just want to let people know that there's hope, right? So there's, there's hope. And even if you love your company and you want to stay with your company, make sure that you're doing things that are fulfilling that you're happy with. Right. Yes. Um, And it could be something outside of work. mm -hmm. Um, And the other part of it is just to jump in and, and steal your thought here. So many times people are like, but I need my job. You know, it's too scary to go out and start my own business or freelance but there are no guarantees in the corporate world anymore that you're going to have your job. It's not like when my parents were, were raising us and it's like, yeah, you worked at the same company for 30 years. You got a pension, you got a watch. Now it's just like, you know, you could walk in one day and it's like, Oh, where did they go? Oh, well, we didn't need them anymore. So to me, it was no more scary to start my own thing than to stay in a corporate job and, and, you know, go, well, you know, downsizing this week, you know, we're not making the revenue that we expected. We're going to cut 15 jobs or something. Yeah. And I think it's a great perspective. The, the one thing I will say is that while you put your plan together, while you start to figure out how I put a portfolio together and, and go to these groovy websites, and um, there are two things that you should do, and you, it won't cost you anything, by the way, um, it, that'll make a significant difference. One is the proximity principle. And but what I mean by that is that you want to change your life change who you hang out with. Like seriously, yes. go hang out with somebody smarter than you. Go hang out with people or get to know people that understand all this kind of stuff. Want to be an entrepreneur? Go hang out with entrepreneurs. Right? They'll tell you the whole good, bad, and ugly of it. Right? The proximity principle is a very real thing. The second thing that I would say, and this is something I got to remind myself, so I remind all our listeners of, is pour yourself into your passions. And if you can't do that in your job, there are things that you are passionate about that bring you joy. 
And you need to find make time, make time, schedule time to pour into your passions because you will be able to show up in the things that you're not passionate about and be more effective. That is a thousand percent true. Um, I'm so blessed that every other week I'm hanging out with my best friend, Dan Coonrod, and we are meeting amazing people like you because I'm passionate about it, right? Um, It allows me to show up in whatever I'm being asked to do and be better at it. So those are the only two things. I'm preaching. I'm not even the guest of this darn show. It's you, Mary. Um, (laughs) No, that's okay. I mean, what you said is so important for people to understand. It's like, for whatever reason, if you need the job that you're in, but it's not fulfilling every, it's just like being in a relationship, whether you're married, dating, whatever, your partner is not ever going to fill, fulfill all of your needs. You have to take care of yourself as well. And then you have a better relationship. So if you think of your, your work as, that, as a relationship also, if it doesn't fulfill those needs, then find something that does. And I got to say, I mean, I work far more hours as an entrepreneur than I ever did at corporate. But I have so much fun doing it that it's just like, oh, five o'clock in the morning. Let's go up and see what kind of mischief we can cause today. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Causing mischief. I think we're all here to cause mischief. <laughs> all right. So as we begin to think about, slowly think about you know, kind of winding things down. And I, and I love this conversation. It's great. And it's been very safe. And I, and I love that as well. What are some things that you would love to impart to our audience that we haven't had an opportunity to do so? So the things that I would love to impart that I haven't had an opportunity to go to do so is, first of all, follow up on that proximity principle. Find folks that are doing what you think you want to do and start to get to know them. And if you can't, at least find some books that will help expand your mind and start thinking about, oh, what else do I need to know? Because that's key to, to moving off on your own, too. It's like, what else do I need to know? So whether it's pr- the Profit First book, which if you haven't read that and you're thinking about starting your own business, highly recommend Profit First. Um, it makes you think about money in a whole different way as a business owner. And then find a community of like-minded people. And one of, you know, I've learned all about the joint venture world, for example, since being an entrepreneur. So it's like joining these joint venture communities and finding other folks that I can go, hey, I got to bounce an idea off of you. What do you think about this? And then really figuring out what your niche is and who you want to serve and what you want to do and then grow from there. Well, Mary, thank you so much for uh, showing up and giving us some insight on how to do our own thing. I, I think it's really great. And I, and I also love the roadmap that you've given us. As a learner, I, I think roadmapping is really important. And so I, I, I really think that this was very, very helpful. Um, to wrap things up, how can our audience engage more with you? How can they connect with you? Sure. So the easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn, Mary Nunley. Um, or our website, lavenderdragonteam.com. But uh, you'll get a quicker response if you reach out to me on LinkedIn. There you go. So go to LinkedIn, folks, and say, hey, I'm here to help you get that third leg on your stool with uh, <laughs> with Mary and her dragons. And I think that that's awesome. So Danielson. Yes, Scott. Would you do me a solid and tell our audience how they can connect with us? Absolutely. All right, party people. If you haven't already, please hit us up at email at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. Email us any questions you may have. Join in the discussion. Tell us what uh, weird Halloween traditions you might have. We'll read them on air. 
if you haven't already, you can also find us on Facebook at Learning Nerds. And lastly, for all you Instagram folks, we're Fab Learning Nerds. Scott? Hey, folks, that's going to be it for us tonight. Do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, pass the show along to your friends. Um, if you're getting the show from a podcatcher, do us a favor. Could you leave us a review? We'd love to read about it so we can get better. We can love to read about it so you know we can go ahead and get the word out to more people. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. And I'm Mary. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you think it would give it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.